chapter 18, the book of Luke chapter 18, I want to share with you a passage of scripture, probably not unfamiliar to many of you. Luke chapter 18, let's begin at verse 18. And I want to talk about the missing piece, the missing piece. Luke 18 and verse, beginning at verse 18, a certain ruler asked him, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responded, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. So if you're calling me good, you must be calling me God. Goodness indicates that you are gracious. And so the connotation of the word good means that you are gracious. And so only God is truly gracious. So if he called him good, Jesus said, none is good except for God. Verse 20, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Verse 21, all these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. Verse 22, the text, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything that you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. I want to stop that text right there and just talk about the missing piece. Everybody say the missing piece. Missing piece. Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you and we praise you for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. We thank you, Lord, because in you we live, we move, and you, we have our being. We ask you, Lord, that you open the eyes of our understanding, that we may be enlightened with the glory, the power, the richness, the strength of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. I guess on the surface of reading the text, it would seem as if Jesus was condemning being rich. And you would think that his problem was wealth. However, it is a parable, and a parable is a story that teaches a lesson. So we must then discover what is the object of the lesson. What is the missing piece that this man missed? Obviously, it was not the fact that he was rich that was his problem. Even though the solution was to give away his riches, the problem was not his riches. Sometimes the solution may indicate that there is a deeper problem. And in the context of the text, 
Jesus draws from several things, both uh, Luke and Matthew give us more abundant sayings of Jesus than the other two Gospels. Both Mark and John deals more with the action things of Jesus, but Luke and Matthew kind of gives us more context of where Jesus is. And so Luke being a physician was very heavy on dealing with these rich issues, the wealth issues in those days. And a person used wealth in Jesus' day as a status symbol. In fact, it grew because of the fact that in the Old Testament, wealth was always viewed as an indication that God was going to bless. Now, the problem is that God had promised certain things to certain people because he was going to use them for certain things. So it was not promised for just anybody to be wealthy, only with those who he made a covenant with. So if he made a covenant with you, then he promised to do something for you because you were going to be something for him. I'm getting there, but I want, I want you to see the context of the story. God will only do things for you when you become something for him. So with you becoming and he giving, you got a partnership. God says, I will bless them that bless you. In Genesis 12, verse 1, 2, and 3, when he sends Abraham out, he says, I want you to come out from among your kindreds. I'm going to show you a place. And I talked about that this week, that first, in order to get where you want to be, God's got to bring you to a place. And, and I believe this morning, I want to share with you that he's got to bring you to a place of brokenness before you can find fulfillment. Now, I'm getting there, but I want you to see something in context. The ruler comes flattering Jesus. And sometimes people feel that they can get what they want by flattery. And so they will build you up, try to pull up your ego so you can be flattered. And the object is to get what they want. And so some people manipulate through flattery. The ruler in the text, knowing, hearing about the miracles that Jesus did, calling him a rabbi, which meant a teacher, he is calling him an object, but he was flattering him because he needed to be credentialed by Jesus. This man has a reputation. I have substance. If he credentials me, everything's going to be all right. But look at the context. Let's, let's, let's gather some points from the text. He calls Jesus good, an indication that, first of all, you need to honor God before you honor a man. He didn't come praising God. He came building up the man. Jesus turns it around and tells him none is good but God. If you're going to have goodness, which is kindness, mercy, then you have God. Because God is love. Then he asked him, had he obeyed the commandments? The commandments represent ethics. Have you been ethical in your life? 
and he calls out several of the commandments that he knew he knew because he was a good Jew. He was probably walking around with the manure around his neck and had all the commandments laying around advertising himself as a good Jew. And Jesus said, I have kept all, he said, I've kept all of these from my youth. I've been a good person. The problem is a whole lot of good people are going to miss the kingdom because they think their good works is going to take them in. So Jesus says, Jesus says to him, okay, you've done all the ethical things you can do. I see where your heart is. Sell all you got and give to the poor. That particular act, by the way, is called asceticism. It means that when you asceticate, you sell everything. You give up everything. Now, you would think that maybe, okay, Jesus is telling him to give up all of his riches. That must mean that Jesus is saying that the only way you can really get in the kingdom is to be a poor person. The devil is alive. He's not telling you to give up your riches to come into the kingdom. He's trying to say, where is your heart? <laughs> what was it that the rich man was missing? He had all the commandments. He had money. He had position. He had so much wealth, but he was missing one important ingredient that would get him into the kingdom. And Jesus hit it right on. He was stingy. He wasn't after his money. He was after him being gracious. I'm going to see where your heart is. See, you had collected a lot, but you haven't shared a lot. And see, when you start gathering yourself everything that you got for yourself and don't want to share with nobody else, God begins to deal with you. The issue in the text is that you had a stingy, wealthy man who did a lot of good things, but he was not gracious. And the Lord went right at his heart. And he says where, where man's treasure is, that's where his heart is. Well, let's, let's do a quick scripture shower so we can see where we are with some things. Turn to uh, Psalm 49 and 12. Psalm 49 and 12. Let's see where we are with that. Turn to Psalm 49 and 12 and see what the Lord says. But man, there it is on the board. You can write it down. But man, despite his riches, does not endure. He's like beasts that perish. Man that, despite his riches, does not endure. What is he trying to say? That with all you got, you ain't going to last anyway. So it doesn't matter what you accumulate, because if you're accumulating everything and never sharing anything, you're missing God. Come on, I'm talking about the man. I don't know why when you start talking about giving, especially when you want to get people to give out what they got, they don't want to shout. Now, y'all were shouting a few minutes ago. As long as it was coming to you, you can shout. 
Bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. But how about you blessing him and blessing her? Because once you bless yourself, then you got to share the blessings with somebody else. That's the context. Ecclesiastes 5, 10 through 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. And see, all of these scriptures, by the way, let me give you the target. All of these scriptures deal with generosity. It doesn't deal with the accumulation of what you have, but what you do with what you have. Whoever loves money will never have money enough. If you could count all the wealth you had that went through your pockets, if you love money, you'll never have money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income because he never shares it. The missing piece is generosity. This too is meaningless. Verse 11, as goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except the feast his eyes on them? And some people get all carried away, and they, they just, like, start bragging on all they got, all they got, all I've accumulated. And, and I want you to get blessed, because I want you to get blessed so you can bless somebody else. But don't stop with that me. It's not a period. It's not a period on the me, because that's where the rich man was. And Jesus telling him to do what he did was to get right at his heart, because if he was sincere, it didn't matter what he gave away. How many of you know God can restore anything that you give away? Yeah. Verse 12, verse 12. Look what verse 12 says. The sleep of the laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. Because when you're insecure about what you got, you're always worrying about losing it. You're in anxiety, you're fear, you're worrying about everything you got. Am I going to keep it? Is the stock market going to be up or down? Is the economy going to be all right? I got to protect what I got. I ain't got time to help you. I got to help myself. And when you refuse to be generous, God refuses to bless you. Oh, you can get it. Because for what a man soweth, that shall he also Hey, oh, you can get it. 1 Timothy 6, 10. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. I'm just trying to show you some proof texts. Because the thought here, see, sometimes we hold up on the substance and we miss that there is an attitude behind what we get. For the love of my money is the root of all evil. Better, better term in the actual Greek here says it is really the source of all evil because the love, let me, let me translate it for you a little better than what it does on the board. The love of money is the resource 
of everything you try to keep because every evil thing you do is to protect what I got. I got to protect you. No, you can't touch my car. Don't borrow, you can't borrow my clothes. No, I don't lend no money. I can't share nothing. It's all for me. How much can you have? How much can you keep? You need to keep some for yourself, but then you need to learn how to share too. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Why they wandered from the faith? Because they didn't know how to be generous. What I'm trying to get in your spirit this morning is generosity. You got to be generous because whatever you put out, God's going to put back in. Now, here's, here's the real good one. Romans eleven thirty three. Romans eleven thirty three. We can We can praise God in a minute, but I want y'all to get this context. Is that okay? And don't say, Bishop, say you can't have money. Bishop's saying that you need to be generous with what you got. Because there's other folks that's less fortunate than you. Then the real value I need to have, here's real riches anyway. Let me show you real riches. Oh, the death. This is a benediction, by the way, that, that, that Paul concludes is at the end of the first half of Romans because uh, Romans chapter 1, chapter 11 is the first half. We call it doctrinal. Then chapter 12 to 16 is called practical. So he ends chapter 11 with a doxology. A doxology is a benediction. So this is a benediction he does. Oh, the death of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are its judgments. The real value that you need is knowledge of God and wisdom on how to use the knowledge that you receive. That's the real wisdom. That's how you get rich. It means that you know God. You know what? Not just know about God, but you know him. You know his character. You know his attributes. You know the things that he has. You know God, and then when you sit with him long enough, he'll give you wisdom or counsel you on when to speak the things you know. Not to brag, not to impress, but to change. Because the knowledge of God should be spoken to change men's hearts. To change them from the way they were in the way that they should be so that God can use them and stretch them out. The value. This rich man was missing the value of generosity. Hallelujah. Somebody shout praise God. Praise God. 1 Timothy 6, 17. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. 17 and, yeah, yeah, 17 through 19. Yeah, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Look what it says. Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. Don't put your trust in what you got, because as fast as you get it, you can lose it. 
which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God provides, and God can also take away. Verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. That was that missing piece. The man was not generous. Oh, he was wealthy. Oh, he did a lot of good things, but he wasn't a sharer. He didn't want to share what he had. You know, some, some people are so selfish, they don't want to share anything. They don't even want to tell you anything. They don't want to give you anything. God is saying the real virtue and the real strength is that we become generous on the inside. Generosity was so foreign to this rich man in our text that he walked away. Because all the other things I could do but give up my stuff, give up my clothes, give up my money, give up my car, give up things that I got to have because it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. God say, I want what's yours. I shared a parable this week in the, in the teaching. If you're an owner, you ask how much you should give. But if you are a steward, you ask how much you can keep. The difference is, as long as you don't own anything, as long as it's yours, let me tell you, and I shared this this week, and I'm going to share it this morning because I know some of you weren't here, but I want you to get this together because we're getting ready to transfer some things because I need you to get generous. How many folks want to get generous? Well, I didn't see a lot of hands, but how many people really want to get generous? Well, let me tell you, you ain't going to get blessed until you get generous. Until you get generous, you're not going to get blessed. Because the real object is simply this. Generosity moves God. The more you bless God with all you got, the more he blesses you. There was an old song we used to sing in the church. The more you give, the more he'll give you to give. It's like if you're a generous person, the more you give out, the more you have to give out. God blesses the generous heart. The liberal soul shall be made fat. Now, I'm going to show you a generous scripture before I get to this, this idea of transferring thing. Let me show you a real generous scripture. Exodus 36 uh, verses 3 through 7. They were building the tabernacle. Exodus 36, verses 3 through 7. They were building the tabernacle, and the Lord demanded a free will offering. He wanted them to freely give everything. Now, see, when they left Egypt, they got all the wealth of Egypt. They left Egypt with silver and gold and everything, and when they got out there, God wanted them to build them a house. So in verse 3, he said, they received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. They continued to give when it wasn't required. Morning after morning. 
Next verse. Look what it says. So all the skilled craftsmen who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left their work. Next verse. And said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work of the Lord commanded to be done. And we don't want to be bad stewards. We ain't going to take it if we don't need it. Next verse. Then Moses gave an order and sent this word throughout the camp. Wow. What generosity. No man or woman ought to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more. I don't need y'all bringing another dime. We got enough. How many churches can do that? Why? Because people are not generous. Because generation, because most of us tip God, not give to God. In other words, they bring it all the time. It's like every time they think, God, you woke me up this morning, here's an offering. God, you started me on my way, here's an offering. God, you blessed me so I could do great things, here's an offering. Morning after morning, they just kept bringing it to God. Every time they thought of what God was doing for them, they poured an offering. Nobody wasn't telling until everybody said, look, it's just enough. It's enough. Don't bring another dime. It's enough. 